Miami. What's up, y'all? So this is a really cool topic that I think is going to start a healthy discussion and maybe, you know, share some perspective. So right now, I just want to say I want to completely discredit myself as much as possible while talking about this topic with my very, very novice presence on the art scene. Um, if most of you don't know, I would, I'm from Lufkin, Texas, but I lived in a military family. We traveled a lot, so I'm not really from anywhere. And ultimately, in my adult life, where I'm at now is just Houston. I don't know if I'm ever, even ever going to stay in this city long term or if this is forever. This is just where I just left. I just didn't like it. So I wanted to come to a place that I felt like, you know, I'm on a personal search for my own version of happiness. So about my very, very novice... <laughs> experience on the art scene. I got to Houston in 2016. My very first art show was a group show called Pancakes and Booze. Essentially, they let anybody in. <laughs> but it's this big like, you know, pop-up art event that goes across the country. It sweeps through Houston and is a good way to break ground here in Houston to get onto the art scene because prior to, it's not like I knew any artists in Houston. I just got here and decided, huh, this is where I'm going to do art. It's a big city. I can find it. I just got to go out there and try to well, locate it. And so throwing that aside, I have no formal artist education. I did not go to school for this. Those of you that did, I'm pretty sure know more history about art than I do. A lot of the art history that I get is just from Googling, you know, random things that I find interesting or something that I read about an artist. And then I want to look up more about that artist's particular career and random books that I've just picked up out of the Goodwills over the years. So there's no formal art education here. So I'm discrediting myself as much as possible because I kind of want to remove as much bias as I can before I go into, again, my very novice presence in the art scene in my local art community in Houston, Texas. So let's get started with that. <sighs> I get conflicted a lot about my experiences here being an artist because um, I've noticed that there's certain pockets of the city and there's certain, you know, obvious social groups that you have to penetrate and Often I realize sometimes people just end up in these social groups or pockets of the art community that don't really suit them or their career goals. And what I'm realizing now with the chronological order of the way that things happen for me, I can only take in and observe those experiences. Now, some of you may be able to relate a little bit because you may have had a similar experience some of you may not because you don't know how it feels to be in that situation that's where the transparency that I'm gonna flex for y'all in a little bit is going to come through because I'm always easily able to see different sides of the same I guess topic or subject matter penetrate it from differing angles if I were in this position if I weren't or what I can understand about it or what I simply cannot because it's not familiar to me, then I also equally understand the values of the weights of those opinions are going to change, thus giving me a different understanding about said topic or subject. For me, again, that's a little bit of a, you know, disclaimer that, hey, you don't have to agree with me 
on what I'm about to say, but why not listen and try to understand it before we jump to a conclusion, huh? <laughs> At least that's what I would hope to achieve here. So with me breaking onto the art scene at first, I was very, very, very super underground. And when you say that in Houston, I don't think a lot of people truly understand like what's underground and then what's like truly underground. And when you're a nobody, that is like the bottom of the underground. Like not only are you starting low, just absolutely at the bottom. Some people come into the art scene already grateful and thankful enough as you should be to already know artists to tell you, well, hey, I go here and I do this thing. But if you're trying to come into something for the first time uh, without, I guess, the quote unquote formal education, you may not know what you need to do <laughs> to even get started. And I understand for a long time because it took me 15 years of different careers to finally even figure out what I wanted out of life and then figure out myself. And I really wish they were more of a commonality to allowing an individual at an early age to figure themselves out first, get to know them, and then go try to figure out life. So it's like our systems are kind of like in reverse when it comes to that. I posted a status, you know, a few days ago on my personal Facebook saying how like, we all like remember the anxiety and the pressure you would get from trying to make, you know, the A, B honor roll or, you know, hey, I got the highest markings in the class because I can remember the most useless facts. And the reason why I say useless facts is because like additionally in the status, I said parallel learning about parallelograms really helped me file my taxes, understand business contracts and understand the concepts of running a business in a capitalistic society. It's like if I live in this society, then why can't I be taught at an early age how to live in this society? And at the end of the status, I put because the system was designed to keep you dumb, distracted and destitute. <laughs> and that's how I feel sometimes if something isn't in the betterment for the most people or for the, you know, good, true moral cause of it then why are we doing it? But back to the whole art thing, um, you start out in the underground and when you're starting out something new, you have a fear in you. And that fear will sometimes often dictate, you know, how, how you're gonna go about it. So for me, thankfully, I had, an, I had a cousin that did art and had done previously pancakes and booze. And she said, you should do it, so I did it. And you know, no one, <sighs> As far as being an artist, I didn't know how to price my work. You know, just so many things were just un unknown. So many terms were unknown. Uh, thankfully, within the last two years, there was another artist here that finally taught me how to stretch canvas. You know, I always thought that that was something like you had to be in a big fancy gallery for and have this prestigious, you know, um, master's degree. And, you know, that's not necessarily the case. Uh, you know, artists are regular people. Some of them are quite resourceful, and after a while, even I realized that I could just get on YouTube and teach myself all the things that I wanted to know and not really have to rely on the fear of, I don't know, so I can't do, and I'm not going to try because it's scary. You know, those are things that I had to overcome over, you know, over time as an individual, aside from trying to do art with it now that I'm deciding that this is something I want to do in my life and I have no idea how to get started about it. 
And so I was thankful enough to get my leverage there. And over the next few years, I would still, you know, be able to sell pieces of artwork online. And I would try my hand at different tactics, very blindly, just plugging and playing, seeing what would happen for me. And eventually, right around that third year here in Houston, after kind of bouncing around in a super, super underground world, I kind of got catapulted and I penetrated a different social circle and a new element of the underground art world. I understood that I leveled up in a sense. And that's when I got picked up in my mentorship program. But that journey itself to even get to that point wasn't exactly easy. Um, I had to open up big time about who I was and it really made me realize how much authenticity and being honest to the world about yourself and what you're doing has so much value. For a long time, I didn't tell anyone how I created the abstract and resin pieces I did. I simply would just sell them. People would ask me, oh, what is it on there that makes it shiny? And this was like two, three years ago, four years ago. And I'd be like, oh, it's resin. And that a fascination with resin for me simply came from me seeing resin already at a similar art show by another artist, but he left it flat. And I was just like, well, sure, it, it looks shiny. And that is, that's something, but wouldn't it be something if you could change the texture though? Kind of like when you mix those mediums in there, like glass beads or you use crackle paste or gesso and stuff like that. There's gotta be a way to do that with resin, right? But that's a different day for a different story um, or a different story for a different day. Whoops, be saying stuff wrong sometimes, but it's cool. Y'all got where I was coming from. But I get catapulted into this different facet of the art world where everything's very bright, everything's very clean, <laughs> everything's very tense, everything's very anxious. <sighs> I don't. I don't think I like this facet very much. And from observation, the little bit that I do have, there's so many different facets of the art world out there. This is just one. I don't have to stay here, right? Right, I don't, I didn't. I, I kind of chose not to. I know some artists that when they get catapulted into certain pockets of the art world, they tend to get comfortable and stay there. And that's fine. But I also equally understand sometimes their frustrations with being in their own pocket of the art world going, well, I want to change this one thing about it, but the rest of the people in this social group don't want to, uh, you know, it, but then are you really happy in your pocket of the art world? Does it really truly work for you? Aside from the art world and in your real life, you know, I'll give you a few samples, examples to explain like what I what I mean where I'm coming from with that. So like, let's just go to something really, really obvious. I know that I'm a female. <laughs> I look like one. I'm told to identify as one. <laughs> Respectively, follow me. This is going somewhere. <laughs> but I also equally understand how the world views women. And, you know, childbearers, servers, often weak. I don't like that. They're evidence there in the world that also shows me that women can be strong um, they're leaders quite intelligent and able to exercise empathy and compassion which is a little bit more valuable than brute strength well absolutely way more valuable than brute strength so why are women often looked at as the lesser desirable gender 
in, you know, and you'll see this in countries where, you know, the firstborn boy and things of that nature is valued more or women are just kind of treated more like objects. Like we, we know this. So it just doesn't just happen in my country. It happened in history forever. Well, why? Why does it have to stay that way? If that doesn't work for me, <laughs> why do I still have to practice it? So, you know, equally understand that I am a woman, but I kind of try to, as much as I can, when I make decisions for myself to be happy, try to not let the fact that I am one stop me from doing a lot of stuff. So that is kind of why I went into the military. That is kind of why I was a firefighter. That is kind of why, you know, I was a police officer. I understood that physically, you know, I'm made up a little different, but mentally and emotionally, I'm pretty much the same as everyone else. And so if I got to run a little harder or work out a little bit more to meet the expectations of my counter gender, then that's okay. That's something I can fix. So why not go ahead and see for myself if I want to do it or if I don't? And then once I realized that I didn't like that career or it really wasn't for me or it didn't make me happy, it was kind of easy for me to move on from it. So I get, you know, equally in my life, I've also had several people go, you know, at different points in my life go, huh, you just don't know what you want to do with life. And my argument is there, no, I mean, yes and no, but I'm trying to figure it out. But the cool thing is I've actually done everything that I've wanted to do up to this point. Now there, besides being an artist, that's just one of the things, but I actually, at some point, I'm really interested in learning how to fly planes. <laughs> Um, for my 35th birthday, I did a helicopter ride above the city of Houston. I believe that sometimes you just need to look at things differently. I'm always on the highways or walking between buildings and in parks and on the ground, but I wanted to take a look at the city from a different perspective and look down at it. Why not? And then I started to understand like the different flows and the different pockets of the cities and just noticed the different things how there were more lights in one area than another area, or just how the infrastructure changed from one pocket and in the different types of cultures that lived in them. It gave me so much of a, a nuance and motivation, honestly, as an artist to further understand and kind of just create my own place here in Houston. So when I run into these different pockets and these different facets now, and I start talking to a lot of you saying, hey, do you know da-da-da or do you know da-da-da? Most of the time you guys are like, no. And even when I did my mentorship program, um, a lot of people were really taken aback when they were like, well, how did you hear about the program? And they were like, well, somebody who was here or a part of this organization or knew this artist referred me, right? It's kind of like, you know, where you're starting from, the what level you're at when you try to step into the art scene. It gets really interesting. I was like, well, no, I, I just did a Google search. And people were just so shocked by that. I mean, it was genuine shock that they were like, you didn't know? No, I got on Google and said, Art Mentorship Houston Search. <laughs> and ended up landing a spot in the mentorship program. And it was because I didn't hold myself back initially to the ideas that I had to know somebody to be able to get into somewhere. I had to be already at a certain level or within a certain social group to be somewhere, I was just simply plugging and playing, putting things out into the universe and seeing what works for me instead of what works for everybody else. 
I could have kept doing pancakes and booze. I could have kept staying super, super underground. I could have just stayed in my own little pocket, in my own little lane, in my own little corner at the bottom of the underground. Or I could just keep trying to step out of my comfort zone and whatever is for me, it's going to work out for me because I believe that things get so much easier when in your life experience when you simply just don't do things you don't like or just stay away from things that don't serve you, i.e. negative energy or things that make you feel bad. I feel like, like seriously, life becomes so much more enjoyable the moment that you realize that you only want to fill it with things that you like. Now, that's not and when I say that, that's that I'm not at all talking about like monetary value on anything. Now, unfortunately, in order for me to have a certain amount of things that I want to be happy in my life, I'm going to need a certain amount of money um, at some point throughout my human experience to build that. But the goal here is to get it built so I don't have to play and give it any more of my energy anymore and just, you know, go be happy because I feel like that was or is the true intent of every human being or quote unquote, a birthright that every person should have is the ability to be happy when there's destruction and turmoil and confusion and anything in you that makes you feel bad, that makes you feel sad, then that's an indicator that you shouldn't be near it. But sometimes we choose to still be near things because we're out of fear and we feel like we have to. And this is coming from someone who spent 15 years in careers doing things that they felt like they had to that didn't really make me comfortable or happy, but other people around me. But I'm also looking at the other people around me and going, but you're not doing that much better than me either, in a sense, in a sense, not to make that sound like really, really horrible, but it's like um, a good example I try to use sometimes is like my parents like pushed, 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 pushed me so hard to go to college. And I did. And when I went to college, it's like I have this tremendous bill now. <laughs> That really doesn't serve me for my career while I was trying to, you know, move up in the fire department when I was a firefighter. That's why I got the degree. Um, it really doesn't serve me. Now I have debt and I'm still unhappy. Show me something tangible. Show me something real that if I follow A, B, C, D, that the result is, you know, actually going to be E. Not like I'm saying it because like I they they say that they say like, let me say that again. They say that this is the best thing to do. Well, who's they? If I don't have an immediate, like, example from someone close to me in my life, you know, proving to me that, like, this happens. And I equally have family members who have degrees, too, and that are miserable and they're in debt. Or they choose to stay in the career that they're in and they have the money, but then they're still not happy. So, like, this stuff is really a catch-22. And for me, then I'm like, well, why do I like it? You know, why do I do it? Why do I dislike it? And so even with me, I hated school. I saw it so pointless. And even in my adult life, I still kind of do because a lot of the stuff that I spent my time doing as a young person, I really should have been spending trying to figure out who I was rather than, you know, remembering how to do parallelograms or, you know, those those things don't really matter at that stage in your life. What matters is your, you know, social skills and your ability to have comprehension and communicating effectively. And that just doesn't happen for a lot of us. That's just not the way our society is structured. And I always kind of challenged, well, why not? Why does it have to be that way? And so when it comes to the different pockets and the facets of the art world, and I see some things sometimes, and I hear some people complain, 
And I hear some people say, well, this is what I got to do to make this happen on this part of my resume. I go, but why? If you all are out here trying to do the same and similar things and not intermingling in each other's circles and not truly being a community or believing that you are a community because you're established and you only take X, Y, Z amount of people in there. I mean, how effective of a force are you really going to be to achieving your own individual goal let alone your goals as a community. And I have no idea what Houston's uh, art community's goal overall really is. I just know that there's a facet to it that everybody's in this to try to get a little bit of change, doing something they love or not. I feel like sometimes I've met some artists that are like, I don't even like doing art, but <laughs> I'm good at it and it's a hustle and I can get me some pocket change. And I've also met some artists that are like truly, truly talented and really passionate about what they do. And they're like, yeah, I can't do anything else. And that's kind of where I'm at on that side of the spectrum in my life. It's like I've tried so many other things so far to say that mm, it was cool. Mm, it was cool. Mm, not quite. No, no, no. This is not going to make me happy until the day that I die. <laughs> but art ended up being that thing and now that's the thing that I'm pursuing and to be honest with you on a, a huge sense of transparency in another five or ten years I could sit back and go I'm done but also equally understand I am open to the idea of doing this stuff to the day that I die but I have my own version of happiness that I'm out here trying to create so when I see people you know clicking and clanning up it's, it's interesting to me because like e I did that. I, you know, I broke. I penetrated. I got it to. I got to one level. I got into this social group. I, but I don't. I don't ever stay there. Now I'm always down for working with other artists. I'm always down. Like let me say that. Like you know, let me clear that part up too. Um, I'm always down to work with other artists. I'm always down to hang out with you. I'm always down to be your friend. And I've also equally understood that I can and can't look at everyone who's an artist as like a potential friend. A lot of people I just look at and go, you're just a co-worker, you're just a co-worker, you're just a co-worker. Um, because it is a community, but it's even if you're self-employed or unemployed and you're an artist, um, some people that you got to network with, you're, you're still going to have to network with, whether you like them or not. And that just kind of takes you back to close, but not what I really want to drive here to a school setting of like, or a job setting, like it's normal for you to continue working with people and doing things you don't like for the betterment of the community or the employer or the job. However, being an artist, you have the freedom to kind of pick all of that now, I feel. So why, why stay still? Why not go spend time in the Heights, go spend time in Third Ward with those artists, go spend time, you know, in River Oaks, go spend time in, you know, Austin with those artists. Why not just bounce around in all the different pockets and just learn all the people in there and then you start building better communities that better suit your own individual needs. And that's why I say when I get into certain pockets or, you know, facets of the art world, I don't stay there. I don't really do pancakes and booze art shows anymore because it's not really worth it. I've kind of built up a little bit of a level and a little bit, I mean, a very little bit of a name, a humble name for myself. And when I do certain things on social media, when I say certain things, that is just me just trying to see what I can share and what works for me. But it's also equally flattering to a lot of you that when you do inbox me asking me how I did something or where I got it, it shows me that you're having an interest in doing something different and growing. And I'm just 
humbly thankful that maybe I could have been the energy force behind that inspiration for you. Because if I didn't present it to you, if I didn't get out of my own comfort zone to present it to you, if I didn't decide, hmm, you know what, let me just see for myself, you wouldn't have had an example to go off of. Equally so, when I see a lot of artists doing some artwork a certain way that I've never seen before, again, like I said in the beginning, I discredit myself so much because I have zero art education. A lot of stuff I just Google or just kind of figure out as I go. I try to get the books. I try to go and get, you know, <laughs> the college level. Of, you know, and I get these books again, like from the Goodwill and stuff like that. And I read and I learn about, you know, the artists. And it's it's fascinating to me, but not fascinating enough for me to want to spend four years of my life obtaining this education when I can kind of just pick up what I feel that I need and which is applicable to me and go. I also equally understand that as a catch-22 because I feel like if I had that art degree, you know, on my, you know, artist CV or resume, it, things might be moving a little faster for me. But equally at the same time, maybe not because there are some artists who have the nice fancy pieces of education behind their name, but they're not really moving in the direction of the places that would recognize that value. They would rather continue, you know, to stay still in their own little pocket because like it works. And if you're comfortable and if you're, and if you're happy, stay there. But don't get mad that you have the education and that you stayed in the same little pocket of this one community of the facet of the art world. And when I say art world, I'm not just talking about Houston. Like I'm talking about internationally that you just stay here in this one little pocket and you're wondering why you're not advancing. And it's because we are not stepping out of your comfort zone. And so for me, I'm just out here just trying to figure out and step out of my comfort zone every day to try to figure out who I am so I can achieve my version of happiness. And I just know that in order for me to be happy, I don't really be need to be wasting my time doing things I don't like. So again, if I don't like, you know, one facet or one pocket or one culture or one group of the art world, yeah, we're cool. Um, we can still collab. We can sing, hang out. We can still do the thing. We can still be civil. Like art is art. I'm down for it. But just don't expect, expect me to always spend a whole lot of time there if I kind of feel like this isn't applicable to the direction that I want to take my life or the place that I want to take my art career or the type of artist that I want to be. So that is just my very novice, um, non-formal educated observation of my current art culture in Houston, Texas, where I live from someone who completely just showed up four years ago out of nowhere, did, did my thing on the underground, still relatively underground, but at a point where I've met a lot of you, and I'm pretty sure quite few of you, when I said Pancakes and Booze Art Show, didn't even know what that was, and it's because you never had to experience that pocket, that facet of uh, trying to be an amateur artist and coming onto the art world. And some of you was like, oh yeah, I still do pancakes and booze. See, I understand the transparency in that we're all different, even though we may feel a lot of the same things and similar, it's from some different, some very different places and different backgrounds. But I also equally would like to challenge, like, I get how it's done. I get how the algorithms and the patterns are there and the social pockets and the different communities and the different places you can go to do things as an artist. I just don't get why it always has to be done the same way by the same people. What if 
I like a little bit of this and a whole lot of that. Why can't I just have them both? Because they both make me happy. It's like, I'll hear the argument about, oh, you can't get into this studio or you can't get into this art program or you can't get in to this mentorship unless you know someone kind of like with my mentorship that was kind of the general consensus that I got even though it's on the internet even though it's talked about even though it's been written about even though there's videos on the internet about it instead of me waiting on someone to give me the opportunity I kind of just went looking for it myself and that's why I kind of got a little taken aback when everyone was just so shocked like genuinely shocked that when I said no I didn't know anyone I just found them on a Google search and what do you know, I got in. So I get how equally sometimes people can look at what I'm doing and think that it's silly or whatever, and that's fine. Um, to that, I don't really care what you think <laughs> because I'm doing this for me. And if it works, then I'm gonna keep doing it because I am a big firm believer in like authenticity matters. So if I'm just being myself, I can't give you anything less I don't have to stress myself out putting on a mask. I don't have to fake like I like being at this party. I don't have to fake like I like throwing this event. I just simply won't do it. <laughs> or I won't go. <laughs> or I won't be a part of it. <laughs> it's that simple for me. And I understand that equally that could be a hindrance for me, but I think over time we've all realized that by somebody being unapologetically themselves and authentic, truly being themselves that has had the most value to mankind possibly you look up to those people you look up the buddha you look up the barack obama some of you this is not a political thing even if you have your different you look up the trump there we go threw that in we got rid of that um foolishness or thoughts that may have came with saying his name things like that you you have certain people that you look up to because they didn't do everything like everyone else so why do you guys still act like you got to do everything like everything else, everyone else, even on the smallest level of in your own art communities? You don't have to keep hanging out at this one place. You don't have to keep learning or doing the same show over and over again. Just try something different. What works for you will be your path in life to what's going to make you happy to create your own version of life. And so that is why I say so, 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 so much and so heavenly and heavily stop doing things you don't like because life gets easier and you get happier and you get closer to your goals when you actually follow them and on that note you guys take care if you're interested in the stop doing things you don't like collection of my hoodies my cassette tape design that i really love that that's getting really popular around here you guys are the best the prints notebooks they're all online at laruart.com shop also Thank you for listening to this podcast. Bounce around on a few more episodes if you want. See where I come from with my personality. If you like it, you know, give me a subscribe. Often I do get to, you know, reach out to you guys and, you know, talk to you and say thank you on a personal level. I appreciate that. Those of you that message me, I appreciate it too. I always try to get back to you as soon as I can. And again, you guys, I love you and stop doing things you don't like.